My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. An Elio's Original Hello and welcome to Web Crawlers, the podcast where we do a deep dive into some of our favorite mysteries. Each week we will introduce our topic, lay out our research and findings, reveal some conspiracy theories, and conclude with our own hypothesis. I am Allie Siegel. I am Melissa Stettin. And I'm producer Maria. Melissa, who are our patrons for today? We've got Salil, Laura, Kelly, Aaliyah, Sour Skittles 88, Julianne, and Allison. You know what's so crazy, legitimately, is I have been craving Sour Skittles all week. I almost tweeted it yesterday. I'm not even joking. Wow. I almost ordered them on Amazon yesterday. That is so weird. I really have This is a sign. How crazy. Anyways, Melissa, what is our episode for today? Okay, our episode is a real all doozy. Right. <laughs> Buckle up. So today, we're going to talk about the disappearance of Kristen Smart, Mm. who vanished on a Saturday morning from the campus of California Polytechnic State University, also known as Cal Poly, in San Luis Obispo, California. Her parents have been mourning her loss for over 15 years with no closure of what happened, and she was illegally presumed dead in 2002. And the case seemed like it would just have no resolution until a few weeks ago. Holy shit. On April 13th, 2021, Paul Flores and his father, Ruben, were arrested as suspects in Kristen's disappearance. Uh Uh-oh. So today we're going to go through the timeline of events leading up to Kristen's disappearance, 
And also, we're going to interview someone who worked with <gasps> Paul Flores, the suspect in this case. Holy shit. And she has some pretty creepy stuff to say about him. And just to avoid confusion, this is not Elizabeth Smart from Utah. This is Kristen Smart from California. I'll tell you something about Elizabeth Smart, though. I went on one date this whole quarantine. Right. And the guy who I went on a date with turned out to have been raised with Elizabeth Smart. They were neighbors. And he was part of like the search team to find her. His family was really good friends with her. They wow. like grew up together. And he was part of this whole thing when she went missing. And then also when she was found and reintegrated back into society. Like I'm wow. pretty sure. Yeah, it was crazy. The date was horrible. But then he told me he was like, so what do you do? And I said, I have a true crime podcast. And he said, oh, I know Elizabeth Smart's family and I helped look for her. And I was like, tell me everything. And then we spent the last the next hour talking about Elizabeth Smart. It was crazy. Wow. And then he told me not to tell. So this is all I could say. Sorry. (laughs) Crazy. Yeah. Okay. So some background on Kristen. So she was born February 20th, 1977, in Germany to Stan and Denise Smart, who were both teachers. She had one brother and one sister, and then they moved to Stockton, California, when Kristen was still a child. So on June 8th, 1995, Kristen graduates from Lincoln High School in Stockton, and she's accepted to Cal Poly for the 1995-96 school year. And then December 1995, Cal Poly student Paul Flores is apprehended but not arrested by the San Luis Luis Obispo police. He is suspected of being a peeping Tom or attempting to break into a woman's apartment by climbing on her balcony. No, we're good. It's like the police advise him to leave. He appears to be like drunk. The San Luis Obispo Police Department did not notify the Cal Poly Police Department of this incident. So the police didn't notify the campus police. So they had no idea that this had happened. But then March 27th, 1996, a crime report is filed by the San Luis Obispo Police Department concerning harassing phone calls to an off-campus apartment where three students live. They said that they've been getting calls for six weeks And at times, there were as many as eight calls in a row. And the caller says nothing and hangs up after they say hello. And these people suspect that it's Paul Flores making the calls because he was apprehended climbing up their balcony in December. They're like, we swear it's this dude. He's been weird. He's calling us. Can I interject real quick? Are you going to talk about the time you climbed up a balcony? (laughs) (laughs) No, but that is true. I did break into my ex-boyfriend's house by climbing up his balcony (laughs) when I was on a lot of Adderall and really drunk. I just, because I I got stuck on the phrase peeping Tom. And I was like, where does that phrase come from? So I Googled it. Good question. And you want to know? Love to. Okay, so it comes from Lady Godiva. So, and she has a, actually a, a similar story from me. Of the chocolate? <laughs> yeah, from Lady Godiva chocolates. Um, Lady Godiva was a noblewoman who lived in Coventry, England in the 11th century. Together with her husband, Leo Frick III, uh, Lady Godiva founded the monastery at Coventry in um, 1043. 
Okay, so her husband, Leah Frick, quickly became active in public affairs, handling financial matters. The tax burden on the peasant populace also grew. And soon, Lady Godiva began campaigning for a tax reduction. As the story grows, goes, Leofric agreed to the reduction on one condi- uh, condition. He would reduce the local taxes when, when his wife would ride naked through the market square of Coventry. What? Once Lady Godiva ensured that she truly had his permission to ride naked through the town, she announced that she would do it. However, she told everyone in the town, like, hey, I'm going to do this. But nobody look like everyone stay inside. No one look while I'm riding naked through the town on a horse. And everyone, everyone stayed inside except for this one Tom. guy named Tom. <laughs> this one tailor, this one tailor named Tom snuck a peek. So that's where um, the wow. phrase peeping, peeping Tom came from. He was the one uh, guy who snuck a peep while Lady Godiva was uh, riding naked through a horse. Riding naked through a horse? (laughs) (laughs) Through through town on a horse. God. (laughs) She was an ex. She was an ex man. Um, (laughs) All right. Sorry. (laughs) Continue. Oh, where was I? Okay. Yeah. Where were you? Climbing up the balcony, peeping Tom. Okay. So then Friday, May 24th, 1996, it's the start of the three day Memorial Day weekend. And Kristen always calls home every Sunday night to talk to her family. And she decides to call her parents on Friday instead because she has some good news to share. But Mm. no one's home, so she leaves a message on their answering machine. She's found out the origin story for Peeping Tom and has (laughs) to share. I never believe what I found about (laughs) Lady Godiva. Uh, So Kristen's mom, Denise, later stated, I kind of thought the good news might be about a missing final exam being found by her biology professor. This meant Kristen would not have to take her final exam over again, which was certainly good news. And she said when we missed her call, we figured she would call back Sunday like she always did. But Sunday came and went without a call from Kristen. Mm. But since it was this three-day holiday weekend, they figured that she would probably call on Monday instead. So they weren't too concerned. But then Denise got a call Monday evening and it wasn't Kristen. It was the campus police asking if Kristen was with them. So let's go back to the night of Friday night. So Kristen and three of her girlfriends left their dorms to head to Fraternity Row to find a party. Kristen had heard this guy Ryan Swampy fell. Oh, boy. He was having a birthday party just off campus. So at about 830, Kristen and her friends uh, saw their friend in a pickup truck driving. So they flagged him down and they all climbed into the truck. And for a few hours, they just cruised the streets around campus. And then Kristen's like, well, let's go to Swampy's party. (laughs) But the other girls didn't want to go, probably because his name was Swampy. Swampy. So they just dropped Kristen off at the party and they left. It was like your basic college keg party. And there were various reports on if Kristen was drinking. And some people say she was chugging vodka and others say she wasn't drinking at all. Probably indicates that most of the people who were there were all drunk and nobody knows what was going on. Yeah. Four people at the party for sure. It was Cheryl Anderson, who was friends with Kristen. She lived on campus. There was Paul Flores. He was a Cal Poly student and a food science major. He lived on campus. And Kristen and Paul were briefly seen talking to each other at this party. 
and there was Tim Davis, who was a Cal Poly student who lived off campus. Tim said he heard a loud noise in the hallway at this party, and he saw Paul Flores on top of Kristen. But he said it sounded innocent because they were both laughing. Huh. So witnesses said that Paul was hitting on several girls that evening, including women who were there with their boyfriends. So around 1.30 to 2 a.m., people started to leave the party. And according to witnesses, Kristen left the party and she went to lie down on the lawn of the next door neighbor's home. Like she got out and then just like fell down on the lawn because she was possibly drunk. And Cheryl, who was not a close friend of Kristen's, knew her and she saw Kristen laying in the grass And she, like, pulled her up and was like, hey, let's go. I'll help you walk home. Cheryl was with her friend Tim. And then Paul Flores saw them. And he ran up. He's like, oh, I'll I'll help, too. I'll help carry Kristen home. Kristen, she was able to walk on her own, but she was, like, leaning on Paul for support. And then they walked for a while. And then Tim saw his car. And he's like, all right, I'm out of here. I'm at my car. So then it was just Cheryl, Kristen, and Paul. They were continuing to walk towards the dorms. And then Paul told Cheryl, like, oh, go ahead if you want. I'll make sure Kristen gets home alone. And Cheryl was like, uh, Cheryl thought it was kind of weird and was like, no, 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 I'll keep walking with you guys. And Paul apparently tried numerous times to get Cheryl to leave, but she didn't. She's like, no, I'm, That's weird. I'll stay. I'll stay. And so they finally reached campus. And Cheryl's dorm was like a half a block away where in the same direction where Paul's dorm was. And Kristen's dorm was just behind Paul's. So Paul promised that he would get Kristen home safe the rest of the way. And he actually asked Cheryl for a kiss. Oh. And she was like, no, dude. And then he asked for a hug. And Cheryl was like, no, I'm not giving you a hug. Cheryl said that Paul, who was at least three inches shorter than Kristen, had his arm around Kristen's waist and her arm around his neck. Because I'm assuming Kristen was drunk. Yeah. And they began walking toward their dorms and Cheryl went to her. So Cheryl like watched them walk him walk Kristen towards the dorm. And she was like, okay, she's probably fine. And Cheryl went home. You know what's scary about that? Like people don't really realize this, but for I think I'm looking up because I want to get it right. 45% of sexual assaults are committed by someone you know. Oh, yeah. And 25% are by a current or former partner. Yeah. Like, you're most likely to get raped by someone you know or are friends with. Like, you might be like, okay, well, we know Paul. Like, it's fine, blah, blah, blah. But in these kind of of scenarios, like, it's scary. Yep. Terrifying. So this was apparently the last time anyone saw Kristen Smart alive. And so when Cheryl found out that Kristen never got back to her dorm, her gut reaction was to be like, Oh, Paul killed her. Like, that was her first, she said out loud, she said, Paul killed her. Oh. Because she was like, you know, had it in the back of her mind, like, this was weird. I didn't like that guy. So a lot of people associated with the case think that Paul killed Kristen and knows exactly where she can be found. They also think that Paul called his dad, Ruben, early Saturday morning to help him. Oh, God. So Ruben, the father, his wife, Susan was talking to her coworker on Saturday and said something must have happened last night because right after her husband received a phone call in the middle of the night, he left the house like a bat out of hell. All right, that's not good. Yeah, she's like, yeah, my husband had to just leave the house all of a sudden in the middle of the night. It was so weird. So Kristen's father and friends walk the campus to collect everyone's phone numbers to give to the sheriff's department to track, but the police never requested phone records. What is up with the police? Fucking... It's crazy on that. 
It's crazy. <laughs> what is up with the police? <laughs> so then on Tuesday, May 28th, the Smart family tried to file a missing persons report with the San Luis Obispo Police Department, and they were told it was too soon. And then they made a second attempt to file a missing persons report with the campus police department, but the San Luis Obispo police told the campus police that it was still too early. And so the university police department originally suspected that Kristen had just gone on a vacation unannounced as it was common for students to do over the holiday because it was Memorial Day. And as a result, they were slow in reporting her as a missing person to the local police department. They're like, it's not a big deal. Kids do this all the time. No, they don't. I know. They don't. They don't. No one just goes on vacation without telling anybody. Especially someone who like calls their parents once a week to talk to them. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, nearly a week after Kristen disappeared, the campus police finally began to interview students. After a fucking week of her missing, they're like, oh, we should probably do something. So all three students who escorted Kristen back to campus were brought in for questioning. There was Tim, Cheryl, and Paul. Paul was the last to see Kristen, and he came to the interview with a black eye Uh. and with what appeared to be defensive scratches. He said it was an elbow from a basketball game. And they were like, okay. So after the interviews, the campus police concluded there was no indication of foul play, despite him having like a black eye and scratches. And being the last one seen with her. This is bananas and in future interviews paul changes his story and he says it's the black eyes from his car steering wheel so he's changing his story and it was reported that two days after kristen disappeared the flores family poured concrete behind one of the homes they own and many theorize that kristen's buried underneath a concrete slab in the back of the home. Uh, yeah. On East Branch Street in Arroyo Grande, California. Oh, this poor girl. So after girl. a month, the campus police finally handed the case over to the San Luis Obispo DA's office after a month. And so Paul Flores was brought back in. He was given a lie detector test. And it was 90 minutes. It was videotaped. And Paul admitted that that he had gone into his dorm's communal shower around 5 a.m., after becoming sick. So people think this could be an attempt to lay a foundation for an explanation if the police were just to discover traces of human vomit in his room because Kristen may have vomited and he was like, yeah, I had to, I was in the showers because I threw up. I had to clean up, probably covering for possibly Kristen like throwing up or something. And so some people think Kristen may have thrown up either from alcohol or date rape drug. Mm. And so Paul was like visibly uncomfortable during the lie detector test and then got up and left 90 minutes later. And they, cause he wasn't officially arrested. So he could like leave. And they asked to see his car to check for evidence. He said his car was stolen. All right. He's this like, guy. Mm, I don't know. It's got stolen. He comes with a black eye, <laughs> scratches all over his body. <laughs> He's pouring cement in his backyard. <laughs> His car has been stolen that week and the police are like, all right, bud, like, go have a nice day. And they brought in cadaver dogs to search his dorm, but it was a month later. And so he had already moved out of his dorm and the campus allowed it to be cleaned. Of course. (laughs) So it was like too late. Also, fun, fun fact about this case. During the Lacey Peterson murder investigation... You know, Scott Peterson, there were rumors in the media that Scott Peterson had something to do with Kristen Smart's disappearance because 
of their simultaneous attendance at the Cal Poly campus. They were at school the same years. Oh, my God. And so there was a brief inquiry into whether Peterson was tied to the disappearance, but Peterson denied any involvement, and he was eventually ruled out as a suspect. Huh. So that was a fun, fun, fun fact. Yeah. Crossover episode. Okay. So then about a month or so after Kristen vanished, the Floreses rented out their home on 529 East Branch Street to this young couple, Mary and Jill Lassiter. Soon after they moved in, strange postcards began showing up in their mailbox. No Ooh, way. the Watcher. The Watcher. Oh, no, it wasn't. Oh, no. <laughs> They're watching you. <laughs> the postcards were meant for Susan Flores, asking her to cooperate with the police and have her son come forward. Like, people were like, mm. you, th- this is your house, your son. Like, everyone knew it was Paul Flores. Yeah. And so Mary Lassiter, the people who live there, she found what might have been Kristen's earring in the yard. Oh, shit. She was in the backyard. She was like spraying, washing her car and she saw like this thing sparkling and she picked it up and she was like, oh, weird, it's an earring. And it had like what looked like red rusty smudges on the back of it. And she was like, huh. And like she put it in a plastic bag just because she's like, interesting. Whoa. What's fucked up is that for whatever reason, no one with the sheriff's department told Kristen's parents about the earring. Kristen's parents heard about this earring for the first time when the tenant who lived in this house was during during a court deposition asked if the earring she found belonged to Kristen. And Kristen's parents were like, what earring are you talking about? Oh, my God. The description matched Kristen's favorite pair of earrings. And when her parents were looking through Kristen's stuff, they never found the earrings. Holy shit. They concluded that Kristen was probably wearing her favorite turquoise earrings on the night she disappeared. Oh, my God. And so the smarts repeatedly asked the sheriff's department to let them see the earring. They're like, can we see it? We know what her earrings look like. But they were shot down every time. They're like, the police were like, no, you can't see it. It's in evidence. Why? Why? And so they drove four hours from Stockton, California, and paid an unscheduled visit to the sheriff's department to see this earring. They're like, we need to see this earring. Yeah. The sheriff's department told the smarts they had lost the earring. They don't know what happened to it. Stop. It's gone. What's going on? (laughs) And so this woman, Mary Laster, was like, She remembers the earring. She said it was like this turquoise earring. She ended up like she went to the mall and she found similar earrings and bought them just to like remember what they look like. And the family was like, yeah, these are Kristen's earrings. And so then there's the beeping. This is really disturbing. So Mary Lassiter remembers being awoken very early in the morning by a beeping sound coming from the backyard. Oh, God. She said in the master bedroom, I'm hearing this beep, beep. Every night at 4.20 or 4.20 in the morning. And it sounded like a digital watch alarm. None of us said anything, but we all thought it. (laughs) But Mary couldn't. She would go outside and she couldn't figure out where this beeping is coming from. And the backyard was all concrete, except for a couple of areas where there were planter boxes had been created by like cutting out the concrete and filling them with soil. And it drove her crazy. She said she went out there multiple times in the middle of the night to try to find it with sticks, like sticking down into the planter boxes, like looking around. And she said that after several months, the beeping stopped. Whoa. And so she believes that like the batteries went dead and that the object that was beeping hadn't been there very long because it obviously still was charged and the beeping just stopped. And so when Kristen's mother, Denise, heard about the beeps, 
she was shocked because she said Kristen had been working at a, as a lifeguard at the university's rec center. And every morning, Kristen's watch alarm went off to make sure she was at the pool by 5 a.m. That's so horrible. So she probably had her watch set to around, you know, 4.20, 4.30. Oh, my God. Yeah. And apparently this concrete was poured behind the East Branch Street home two days after Kristen disappeared. And it was before Paul Flores was considered like a person of interest. <sighs> and so the Lassiters, the family that lived in the house, they gave deposition about the earring. And then they were immediately hit with an eviction notice from the Floreses. Oh, boy. They had 30 days to leave. So the Lassiters were like, okay, well, then we're letting anyone we want, investigators, come in and search the house because they were legally allowed to let anyone come in because they were the tenants. So people came in with cadaver dogs and they said the dogs did react to a corner of the yard where the earring was found, but like nothing ever really came of it. So after the eviction, notice, Susan Flores moved back into the house. She's been there ever since. Wow. The Smart family has tried to get warrants to dig up the backyard. Yeah. But it was never excavated. Why? I feel like in every case, it's impossible. Remember, I can't remember what case it was, but it was those two women who they suppose they did like infrared or something censored and they oh, the found bodies in the three. cement. Yeah, they found bodies like in the cement parking lot and they still couldn't get the permits to dig it up. Mm -hmm. It's like, wh why is it so hard to dig things up? My dogs do it all the time. Yeah, bring your dogs in. <laughs> yeah, they should just send some dogs back. They I should know. just get a dog and send it back there. Sp specifically, Asher. He does <laughs> yeah, nice no, holes. it's dolly. He's tiny. He can fit a dolly. <laughs> yeah, they can fit in So, a court, yeah, the yard was never excavated. And according to the sheriff's department, the search warrant was too narrowly written to allow for them to dig up the yard, whatever that right. means. And retired FBI agent Jack Schaefer, who wrote the search warrant, said... I was told that the officers present did not want to pay to have the concrete repaired if the search turned up nothing. That's Too busy horrible. buying donuts. Yeah. All right. And the undersheriff at the time said to allegedly be a smart family supporter and one of the key players in the sheriff's office, they held a vote as to whether the police should dig up the floors' backyard. The vote was against digging up the yard. They, they played like rock, paper, scissors to figure out if they should do it. Well, yeah, this undersheriff guy said he was outvoted and he said local police commanders apparently preferred leadership by committee so that no one person can be held accountable if a mistake is made. No, that's not how it should be. It should be one person <laughs> no. is held accountable so that you don't make mistakes. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> what a stupid thing. No, no, no. We're all accountable. So let's just keep messing up. That's like what a hierarchy is for. What a bunch of pussies. Exactly. We live in America. For fuck's sake. Yeah. So instead of excavating, they relied on ground penetrating radar, GPR technology, nice. which was relatively new at that time because this was like the late 90s and it wasn't as effective as it is now. So the yard was all almost all covered with concrete and clutter. There's a shit everywhere. And three areas of interest had anomalies in them. Uh -oh. One near the planter. And it looked like the ground had been dug into and filled back up underneath the concrete. Oh, God. And they discovered a garage was built on top of the concrete in 1997 after Kristen went missing. So then there was legal proceedings. So Kristen Smart was legally declared dead on May 25th, 2002, which was the sixth anniversary of her disappearance. Her parents, Denise and Stan, they took a civil case of wrongful death against Paul Flores. 
but Flores denied any involvement, and the Flores family filed a lawsuit back against the Smarts for emotional distress. Oh, Jesus. But then there was a new lead. In September of 2016, officials from the San Luis Obispo Police uh, County Sheriff's Office announced they were investigating a new lead in the case. So cadaver dogs from the FBI were brought in, and investigators were preparing to spend approximately four days excavating an area on the Cal Poly campus. Mm. And after three days, items were found at all three dig sites located on the hillside near Chris and Smart's dorm. Wow. And a spokesman for the sheriff's office said, the items are being analyzed to see whether they are connected to the case, which could take days, weeks, or months. And those items are currently still being analyzed? <laughs> Or years, I guess. Yeah, six, five years ago. But then this podcast popped up. In 2019, the eight-part podcast, Your Own Backyard, came out, which is all about Kristen's case. It's a really good... I've listened to it twice now. I listened to it when it came out, and I just listened to it again. It's so good. So that renewed public interest in this case, which led to someone put up a billboard in Arroyo Grande in January 2020 which is near the Flores' house. That was like, oh, wow. have you seen Chris and Smart? Like, Whoa. so they see this billboard. Right. Oh, my God. And it's crazy because the Flores' still live in that house despite all of their relatives have moved like 200 miles away. Everyone in the neighborhood knows who they are. Everyone looks at them weird. Why would they stay? It's like they're a dog, like, with a toy, like, just not letting you get to it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, totally. Yeah. It's like, no, 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 you can't get, you can't get close. You can't get close. It's like little, like a chicken sitting on an egg. Yeah, it's crazy. Because, you know, why, why wouldn't they move? They're like, I think the Floreses are in their, like, their 80s now. Oh, my like, God. Like, why wouldn't you move closer to family? You know, it's weird. Probably because there's a fucking body in your backyard. Yeah. So then on January 29th, 2020, San Luis Obispo Police Department confirmed that two trucks owned by the Flores family had been taken in as evidence. And on February 5th, 2020, search warrants were served for specific items of evidence at four different locations, two in San Luis Obispo, one in Washington State, and one at a home in Los Angeles County. It's all Flores family residences. Wow. And Paul Flores was briefly detained during the search, but then he was let go. In April, on April 22nd, 2020, a search warrant was served at Paul Flores' home in San Pedro, California, and it was reported that numerous items of interest were successfully found during the search, and those items included computers, cell phones, electronics, decades old. And so I was like, why would, what would they possibly find in cell phones now? Like this happened in 1996. Perhaps they confiscated all this because the family was texting about the case because of all the renewed interest. They're like, maybe they're talking about oh, for it now, sure. you know? Yeah. They're like, oh shit, we got to move the body. <laughs> like, yeah. So then February 11th, 2021, Paul Flores was arrested by the LAPD in Rancho Palos Verdes on suspicion of being a felon in possession of a firearm. But what was he a felon for? Good question. Like, what was his felony? Yeah. Murdering and hiding a body? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So then on March 15th, 2021, a search warrant was issued to search Ruben Flores' home, his dad. 
including um, the use of cadaver dogs and ground penetrating radar driving under the influence public drunkenness and oh. using controlled substances he's he's got pro- he's got demons yeah probably he's because he's trying to drink away the thought of that he murdered someone. murdered someone yeah <laughs> so an older model volkswagen was uh towed from his dad's house and cadaver dogs searched the vehicle and then on april 13th 2021 which was like two weeks ago Paul and his father, Ruben, were taken into custody by the St. Louis Obispo County Sheriff's Department in relation to the case. Paul was charged with murder. Whoa. Ruben was charged with being an accessory. Holy moly. So then April 22nd, which was like a few days ago, investigators say Kristen's body was buried in the backyard until it was recently moved. Whoa. So investigators are in possession of biological evidence that makes them believe the victim was buried underneath the defendant's deck at one time. This is breaking news. Yes. Obviously, because her watch was beeping. Like, yeah. yeah. She was buried under the house, you guys. Yeah, (laughs) you idiots. (laughs) Uh, So then there's sexual assault. Stuff like so, prosecutors in the document also accused Pufflers of being a serial rapist. Oh, Jesus, which was an accusation made public for the first time. Dozens of women have recounted Paul Flores' sexual assaults and predatory behavior that document his 25 years as a serial rapist. Oh, my God! And so, the LAPD confirmed last week that he is under investigation for sexual assaults in LA County. And there's two cases submitted to the L.A. County District Attorney's Office. You know, what's interesting is I've maybe maybe I'm just forgetting this, but I've heard of obviously serial killers. I've never heard of serial rapists. You haven't? I mean, maybe I have, and I just haven't ever thought of it. I feel like they always turn into murderers, though. Like they start out as serial rapists. Yeah, I guess I don't know. You don't really. I get. No, no, no. I get what you're saying is that there's no like. Seri- there's no like most wanted only for raping you know what like right. usually yeah. they're they're like they kill yeah yeah like there's something like they just rape and then leave and then they just rape again like it's just interesting to me like i just i guess i've never really i've always thought of it as a companion to something well it seems he has murdered i guess yeah i wonder if he's murdered more yeah there's yeah, no way you're a rapist and not do and not if you're a rapist doing you're something violent else. right yeah so Kristen's disappearance and the slow response by the campus police resulted in the Kristen Smart Campus Security Act being written and signed into effect uh, on August 19th, 1998, and requires all public colleges and publicly founded, funded educational institutions to have their security services make agreements with local police departments about reporting cases involving or possibly involving violence against students including missing students so they have to tell yeah the police not like oh we'll figure it out she's probably on vacation so crazy she's probably on vacation what a strange thing to say so crazy so we have an interview with taryn aronson she is a good friend of ours of melissa and i know ryan corrigan and um, she's his girlfriend, and she's going to talk about when she was working at Outback Steakhouse, Hell and yeah. <laughs> Paul was a worker there with him, and she has some very scary encounters. So we'll take a quick break, and then we'll be right back with our interview. 
Web Crawlers has a Patreon to get access to rewards, bonus episodes, video episodes, ad-free episodes. Please go to patreon.com slash web crawlers. You can donate as little as $2 a month to become one of our bimbo patrons. Also, please review us on Apple Podcasts. You guys have been so awesome about that recently. Um, please keep those coming. We really appreciate them. And also call our hotline. Insert jingle here. 626-604-6262. As usual, uh, there's some been some major discussions uh, about jab. <laughs> Jabgate. Jabgate going on, uh, some controversies, so please keep them calling. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, Taryn. Taryn. How's it going? Yeah, so I'll, yeah, let's just dive in, I guess. So we heard that you used to work with Paul Flores. Yeah, so I worked, I worked at Outback Steakhouse. I was 19 years old. So Paul and I were like the founding, like group of kids that they got to open this Outback Steakhouse with like no experience at all. And I always thought Paul was a little weird because if any of you have worked restaurants at all, Mm-hmm. The white teenagers are the ones in the front of the house. And Paul was very white, even though his name is Paul Flores. He is a very pale. It's crazy. And so it was always a little strange, like how he was behind the scenes, because normally that's not the guy making the salad or like doing any of the food making. So it was always like a little like, huh, how'd you end up there? What city was this in? in Irvine, California. So which is where I went to high school. So it was already like a little strange that he was back there, but he was, he was like very overly friendly, like flirted a lot, um, borderline, like, but like, if you've also, if you've worked restaurants, everyone's kind of just like saying inappropriate things to each other all the time. Anyway. Oh, sure. So it's yeah. like hard to tell where it's like normal, creepy and like actually scary, creepy. Um, but Paul definitely crossed the line to like actual creepy many times. Um, he was known for, which I think I talk, I think they talk about that in the podcast. Like he was known for being the guy that like might lock you in 
the walk-in closets like late at night and then not open the door. Um, what? You know, just to like, I think yeah. just liked feeling fear out of you, you know? Ugh. Wait, didn't Ryan say he locked everyone in a freezer? He would do that one-on-one. So that would be like, if you were lucky <gasps> that night, you might be the girl that got to experience the fun of being locked in the walk-in freezer for a little bit with him. So it's not like he shut the door and walked away. He would like follow you into the freezer and then lock the door and be like, wow. So we're, we're trapped in here now, huh? Which is one of those oh. like borderline things where it's like, if the guy was really cute, you might be like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> the only difference between stalking and like not stalking is whether or not you're attracted <laughs> to the person. Yeah. I've made out with someone in a walk-in freezer before. Yeah. See, so it's like it wow. Could that's be what you do. <laughs> well, I just there's was the Ryan. I'm getting all my information from Ryan. Um, <laughs> you were on a bus with, so you had a boyfriend at the time. You were on a bus together, and he started. What did he do? So okay, so Outback had decided for Christmas to like throw us some big Christmas party, and so we were. I can't remember what venue they were taking us to, but I think it was like a few different Outbacks, and like all of us were being bused to some location where we could. I guess, drink less noticeably while we were underage. Um, and there was like alcohol flowing on the bus. So just matches all these teenagers and Joel, my high school boyfriend, who was, who like, I would like to preface this. It was, was a really wonderful, wonderful boyfriend. And so this, what happened was definitely not his fault. It was my fault. But so we were sitting on the bus and Joel was on the inside at the window seat. And I was on the aisle seat and Paul was sitting right behind me. And all of a sudden I felt this like hand, like move, like up my side. No. And I, I just sat there like very quietly and did absolutely nothing because all I could think of was like, there's only two ways this goes. If I say something then I'm putting this on Joel where now he has to do something about it. And whatever he does about it is like probably going to get us kicked off this bus um, and, or like get him hurt. And so I was just like, I'm just going to sit here and like, let this happen and it'll be fine. And like, I kind of like pushed my, his hand down kept like happening throughout the ride. And then independently of that at the party, I think Paul came up and like introduced himself and Joel was like, I don't get a good vibe off that guy. He's like, he's kind of a creeper. And then later, subsequently I told him what had happened and he, to his eternal credit was not mad at me, which I think he kind of should have been a little like, why didn't you say something? Um, Right. But um, he didn't. And he was really nice about it. But he was just like, look, just just like, don't be alone with that person. Like, he's not I don't have a good like feeling about about that guy. He was like, promise me you'll never be alone with him. Just like, don't close the store with him or like make sure somebody else is on schedule that night. Um, This is the story that Ryan says I almost got murdered. I was closing the store with him right night one night and he did come to me and say, Hey, can I get a ride home tonight? And he lived, he lived <gasps> to my knowledge. He lived in Irvine really close to me. So it was like, wouldn't have been any big deal. And if it had not been for me making that promise to my boyfriend that I wouldn't, I absolutely would have been like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll give you a ride. Like, let's go. <gasps> oh my God. What year was this? So I was 19. So it must've been 98, I think. Oh, this was after Kristen Smart yes. disappeared. Yes. Yeah. So we already had heard the case, but like his name maybe hadn't like made news yet, or maybe it just hadn't made news oh, in Irvine yeah. yet. Cause San Luis Obispo is like a little further North. So it, we right. just might not have gotten the full yet, but yes, it was definitely after. And then it wasn't long after all of that, 
that um, we all found out because we were, we were like setting up one day for, there was a bar that had TVs and we had the TVs on while we were like setting up for a shift and a dateline. I think it was, I think it was a rerun actually like came on and was like, the smart story. And then Paul Flores's face is there and there's like a detective following him. And all of us are just like, ah, that guy we work with. Cool. That's cool. He still worked there at the time. He never showed up again. Like he never oh, came back. To God. <laughs> that was it. So I think I heard they, on the podcast shit. that he got fired. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, so, they probably saw that and were like, we do not know oh this my kind God. of <laughs> Yeah, there's another story from the podcast of a girl who worked with him and like drove him home and or and he like invited her in and she was like, I guess I'll come in and was like trying to say no. And no, he kept closing the door mm-hmm. and like tried to make out with her. And she's like, no, fuck this. I'm out of here. Totally. That could have been you, Taryn. It could have been. It's crazy that like he was already under investigation, even though you guys didn't know it yet. And he was working at this Outback Steakhouse and still engaging in these kinds of inappropriate behaviors with women without any kind of like fear or he probably because was... he thought he got away with it. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely thought oh he got away with God. it. I mean, he was young then, too, because I think he's only two years older than me. So he was probably 21. Yeah, it was after co- college, I think, for yeah. him. Yeah, 21. Yeah, because I think he's 44 now, and I'm tw- I'm 42. So, yeah, he was, like, barely older than any of us. So he really – he seemed, like, a little creepy, but also, like, yeah, another, another like, douchey guy that you're working with at a restaurant. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I do not recognize the girl that said – I wish I remembered who she was, the, the one that – talked about in the podcast the outback girl i'm like was that did she say outback steakhouse yeah she did oh she did she's one of my coworkers that i you know now 20 years later oh wow she was i'm just looking at pictures of him and just trying to get yeah he's got a creeper how how long did you work at that outback for after you found that out uh probably not even a year i think it was like right quick quick in and out it also was a really shitty place to work so there was that too (laughs) sure the blooming onion, though. Yeah, you don't want to eat that blooming onion. <laughs> oh, okay. <You're> <laughs> Tell us why, <laughs> Maria. You're eating like two thousand calories of like just oil. It's just like being dunked in vats of. Oil. I mean, it's it's pretty gross. It's pretty gross. But, so you saw pictures of him. He is he is like kind of translucent white. Yeah. Ugh. What a creepy guy. Have you heard the news? The, they were arrested. And as of like three days ago, I, they have they officially have like charged him with murder, I believe. Yeah, because they said the body was it had it had been moved recently from where it was buried. I think we all kind of knew this whole time. Yeah, we all kind of knew. Crazy. I just had a very quick aside that I'd seen him once years later at a bar in Costa Mesa was terrified that he was going to like recognize me and like want to talk or something. And he, he just, but he was very, um, he looked, he looked like he had aged a lot more than 10 years in that time. Oh, I bet. Looked like he'd lived kind of a rough decade. Murder will do that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Murder will do that to you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Taryn. This is so great that you came on and uh, I'm so happy that you, you didn't give him a ride home. I'm so happy I didn't get murdered. 
Thank you. <laughs> Thank God you're alive too. Great closing statement. Um, also, Taryn, you have a really great Instagram account. Oh, thanks, Melissa. What it's at? Totally Taryn Social. Yes. So it's, it's everyone follow her. Yeah, Wait, I don't think account. I follow that. I just follow your personal one. Oh, that one sucks, Maria. Don't follow my personal. Oh. Yeah. What are you doing? What are you that doing? Totally, Taryn is where it's at. Well, Taryn's got a whole bit. Taryn's a businesswoman. She's got an entire self-made business. Yeah. So I've basically put 99.9% of energy into the Totally Taryn social account and 0.0001 into my personal account. Like anyone in social media, no one puts any energy into their personal social media. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Followed. Thanks, Melissa. Yeah, of course. But thanks for coming on and telling us your horrifying story. You're so welcome. It was nice to see all of you and nice to meet you. It was so nice to meet you, Taryn. Bye. Wow. Well, what a crazy story. Taryn, lucky to make it out alive. Insane that he would just lock women in like the meat locker (laughs) at work and think that that's cool or funny or okay. It's just a goof. It's just a goof. goof. Can a guy be goofy once in a while? Guys are funny, right? Can a guy be a goofball? <laughs> I love that like men don't really understand the Me Too movement. And they're like, no, like women sometimes get locked in meat lockers with their yeah. goofy, their goofy yeah. co-workers yeah. <laughs> trying to pull some pranks. Um, <laughs> Melissa, if people want to uh, contact us, where can they do so? You can email us at webcrawlerspod at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, anyways, I am Allie Siegel. I am Melissa Stettin. And I'm producer Maria. Adios. An Erios original. Powered by ACAST. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed 
and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.